A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How embarrassing can this be? I mean, I had like drool like down my lip and my chin onto my uniform. I mean, at least they could have, you know, given me a napkin or something while I was sleeping to clean myself up. But nope. Just... Gonzo to Coast Guard Ears, Key West, Episode 1, Permissive Orders and Where Am I? After Coast Guard boot camp graduation was over... My family and I had left the base. It felt weird leaving. I mean, I'd been there for eight weeks, except when, you know, we went to off-base Liberty. But anyway, whatever. It's not that I was particularly attached to being in Cape May. It was just a weird feeling. I'm not sure when we actually left the base, but I think it was in the early part of the day. I mean, it had to be because boot camp graduation was, you know, in the early part of the day, right? All I do know is that when we left the base, my family decided it was time to eat. We went to a real restaurant like almost immediately. It was nice to be actually be sitting down eating a meal that was not on a tray. You know, the ones with the little sections cut out in it where they would, you know, just dump your food in the little sections. Anyway, I remember feeling a little foolish being in my uniform. I mean, I think we are still in the Cape May area. So people were kind of used to seeing guys in the Coast Guard uniform, I suppose. But I was never really comfortable wearing it. And thankfully, I didn't actually have to wear my Coast Guard uniform in public all that often. Although I think most of the people that saw us, Coasties, that is, I think they thought we were in the Air Force. I mean, if you weren't in K-May, everyone thinks we're in the Air Force or something like that. Or maybe something slightly less annoying, like perhaps a city bus driver. Coasties and the Air Force folks don't particularly get along all that great. I mean, there's no real reason for it. Although we do have the exact same uniforms, which is why everyone thinks we look like them. Anyway, they were so close in uniforms that the only way you could tell the difference was if you were in the Coast Guard or in the Air Force and you could pick out the little subtleties that made it look different. I mean, I get, I don't know, I'm not sure why we didn't like each other so much because of the uniforms, but you spend so much time trying to become part of a particular group and it seems like a slap in the face when you get confused with being in another group. It's like, you know, you're in gang A and then along comes gang B and everyone in gang C thinks you're part of gang B when you're really part of gang A. Anyway, I'm sure none of that makes any sense to any of you all, but it does to me. Then again, there was always some kind of inter-service rivalry. I mean, it was it was pretty much just, you know, all in good fun for the most part. I mean, a few years into a Coast Guard adventure, um, the good nature was sort of taken out of it, and I ended up in a dope load of trouble. Uh but I'll probably end up doing that with a future episode. Actually, I'm sure I will because it was absolutely ridiculously stupid and it had an interesting. Anyway, OK, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, yeah, I, I, I tend to have like, you know, sort of random memories that kind of pop up 
Uh, I, I like to think that this podcast is helping me focus some of those memories, but I'm sure as you're listening to it, you're probably thinking, oh my God, this guy's all over the damn place. But anyway, okay. So the first week arriving home uh, was just like your basic vacation time, or as the military calls it, leave. I'm not even sure why they actually call it leave or what the hell that actually means. I mean, what? why leave? I mean, you leave work, but that's like vacation. Anyway, whatever. The first week was a bit of an adjustment period for me and for my family, essentially getting used to me being back home. I mean, I guess I did stuff differently and my family did stuff that I thought was different. It wasn't bad or anything. It was just, well, different, I guess. But I wasn't actually home or I didn't feel that way. I was just visiting, it seemed, or at least that's how it felt. But it was all good. I mean, I spent the first week also visiting with my girlfriend um, when, you know, everyone was off to work or doing something and I was kind of left at home alone. She and I had only started seeing each other, you know, the summer before I left for boot camp. So, you know, sometime summer of 87, it was really awesome to catch up with her when I got back. It was all too short of a visit, but I think we made the best of our time, at least while I was home. She was a real champ. I didn't have a car of my own. I was borrowing my uncle's car or maybe it was my aunt's car. I don't remember. But since I really just couldn't willy nilly take the car, my girlfriend would drive 30 ish minutes to pick me up, then turn around and we'd all go back to her house or, or rather her parents' house. That is that first week was a really cool break for me. But let me tell you, at 19, the one thing I was looking forward to was sleeping in past 5 a.m. Oh, 500, or as they say, oh, dark early. During the second week, I was scheduled to drive from my parents' house. I was borrowing my uncle and my aunt's car and drive to Alexandria, Virginia, which was about, about, about an hour drive, I think it was. I was going there to go to the recruiting office where I actually enlisted. So I got an extra week to basically be a brand new sort of coasty, Poster child recruit thing. I'm I'm not sure what it, what 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 I was doing, but I agreed to go back to the recruiter's office for five days, and this is what they called permissive orders, or at least I feel like that's what they called it. Um. Anyway, it was kind of neat catching up with the Coast Guard recruiters that I had actually um well been recruited by. I mean, it was just kind of neat. Don't get me wrong. No matter what you think of this podcast, the Coast Guard is pretty cool. It's like most experiences in life. You have to make the best of the time and experiences while you've got it. And let's face it, a lot of the times it's just plain luck, which also includes good luck and bad luck. It was sort of weird too, not having to salute them or speak to them using a sir sandwich all the time. The first couple of days we were just chilling. Also at the recruiter's office, there was another recent recruit. He was one of the recruits who was in the company behind me. I found out he actually lived, you know, kind of in the local area as well. I don't remember his name, um, but we're going to call him Seaman Apprentice Mike. Yeah, I know Mike is a first name, but he just seems like a Mike. Mike and I, that sounds like the candy Mike and Ikes, sort of. Anyway. We basically sat around with the recruiters in our uniforms and talked. Well, just talked. We were sitting there BSing around. It really seemed like a big waste of time, but I wasn't complaining at all. 
sort of kind of I guess I think that's what they kind of expected we were going to be doing, just kind of hanging out and doing nothing. But toward the latter part of the week, Mike and I were given a job. So I drove from, you know, my parents' house about an hour into uh, Alexander, Virginia. I think it was a Thursday when we got to the recruiter's office, the recruiter, the head recruiter there had arranged for Mike and I to go to my old high school, Falkir High School to be exact. And I know what you're thinking. Did he just say fuck your high school? I didn't. I said Falkir. But trust me, everyone who's from Falkir, we hear that all the time. So get on you, ha, funny you, jackasses. Anyway, after arriving at Alexandria, they told us to grab some brochures and some leave behinds, and we would leave and then show up and try not to make fools of ourselves back in my old high school and talk about the Coast Guard, which is, a, you know, it's kind of messed up because, well, Mike and I hardly knew anything about the Coast Guard. I mean, we were literally out for about a week and change. I mean, Mike was out a little less time than I was, but you get the point. We were hardly experts at all on the Coast Guard. But then again, they gave us a week off and we knew more about the Coast Guard than anyone else in Falkir High School. Anyway, when I look back at all the times that myself and other fellow Coasties were slacking off, it seemed like we would always end up making up for it by orders of magnitude. I mean, I think all military services are the same way. There's just lots of downtime when no one's looking. And then it's followed up with an insane amount of work that would, you know, be weeks and months or a year worth of like hell work. Maybe not a year, but definitely weeks and months. Just, just, you just make up for it. My point being, there were times when it felt like you didn't sleep at all. You work 24 seven, seven days a week, weeks like complete blurs and by I mean weeks really not days because like you it was, it was anyway it's just I can go I'm starting to babble now sorry about that we get to Falkir High School we checked in at the office they had placed a table for us um in the main hallway as you were leaving the entrance or in this case exit of the cafeteria I mean it seemed like a good strategic place to be As it turns out, it's amazing how people will just walk right around you and not even look at you. It was like high schoolers have sonar or something, like a bat, and they could steer without actually looking. I mean, a few folks actually remembered me and said, hi, hey, how are you? So, and and a few of those people took like a minute or two to, uh, to talk and, you know, but for the most part, people just were leaving because they were done with lunch and they were heading to their next class and they didn't want anything to do with us. Anyway, so we're out in this hallway assuming that people actually wanted to talk in the first place, which really was the big thing here. I don't think we actually talked about the Coast Guard at all. I just said hi to a few folks, told them we were in the Coast Guard, not the Air Force. People sort of like tended to keep their distance like they thought Mike and I had leprosy or something like that, or I, I, I don't know. From a recruiting point of view, it was pretty much a bust, but it was something for us to do and to justify our additional week of being home. So anyway, lunchtime was over. Mike and I packed up the box of stuff. I don't think we left anything behind except the table that was there. I mean, we left that behind. 
We walked back to the car. We were in a Coast Guard government car, which basically is like a really ugly Plymouth K car. Um, for you old folks, you know what I'm talking about. The weird thing is, though, as a 19-year-old, if I was to, like, go to, like, one of the major um, car rental places, I won't name the names because I'm sure I'll get in trouble for if I say it at some point. But in 19, they wouldn't let me rent a car. But the Coast Guard would let me drive one of theirs. I mean, I had a driver's license, and but clearly they didn't. They weren't worried that I was going to wreck it or anything like that. I mean, it wasn't until I was like 24, I think, that I could actually rent a commercial vehicle. Um, and by that, I mean like a rental car. I'm sorry, not not like um, you know, like a um, delivery truck or something like that. Anyway, that's a whole different topic to get into at some point, and probably um. <laughs> Yeah, I'll worry about that sometime later. Or never, actually, because I'm much older than 24 now. Oh, my God, I'm a bit old. Anyway, all in all, the two weeks weren't so bad. Um, between boot camp and my first duty station, everything turned out pretty good. I do remember that, you know, um, so the night before I left, um, I was up super late uh, before I was heading to Key West, Florida, which was, again, my first duty station for those of you that need a refresher. I knew I needed to sleep. I had to get up super early to get to the airport. I think I was flying out of Washington Dulles Airport. Um, I was flying to Fort Lauderdale and then it was off to Key West. I remember going to um, uh, Dulles dressed in my uh, Coast Guard winter dress blues. Um, I remember thinking I was dressed like a baggage handler or one of the pilots. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with being either one of those things. I just didn't want to look like an airport employee. So as I said, the night before, um, before I left to go to the airport, I was spending, you know, most of the day and evening with my girlfriend. We sort of hung out, you know, super late together, at least later for her. Um, so she was at my parents' house with me. And then when it was super late and it was time to go, um, she had to, you know, she had to drive like 30 minutes home. And I said, you need to call me to make sure. So I know you got home. Okay. So back then there were no cell phones. So there was no way for her to contact me other than calling the main house phone. And I know it was sometime after midnight or one o'clock in the morning or something foolish like that. So I literally sat by the damn phone, uh, and waited for her to call. And of course, you know, she did 30 ish, some minutes later, she rings, ring, ring, ring. Everyone's fine. She's good. She got home. And, uh, thankfully, actually the thing I was worried about the most is I wake up my parents cause might, they would not like that at all. Anyway, the end of the result of all this was that I had gotten probably three or so hours of sleep, um, before heading to the airport. This was my second ride on an airplane off to some place I hadn't ever imagined myself going to. And, and actually I had no idea where Fort Lauderdale was. I didn't even remember where I'd heard it, though. I mean, I think I'd heard of it watching an episode of Miami Vice. And if you had listened to season one, you will know that I'm not going to describe what Miami Vice is. I encourage you to look it up. Google it. When I got on the plane, I mean, I, I vaguely remember even checking in and getting to the gate. What I do remember was getting on the plane. It was around 530 in the morning on a Monday, I think it was. Getting to my seat and falling asleep like almost immediately. The next time I had any awareness of anything was when the plane landed in Fort Lauderdale. 
The flight attendant hadn't even bothered me at all during the flight. And I'm thinking the reason that she didn't was because when I woke up, I was drooling all over myself. I mean, fuck. How embarrassing can this be? I mean, I had like drool like down my lip and my chin onto my uniform. I mean, at least they could have, you know, given me a napkin or something while I was sleeping to clean myself up. But nope, I just wiped it off of my hand, wiped it onto my uniform and went on my merry way. Anyway, I'm pretty sure they're used to seeing people in this kind of weird condition um, on, on these early morning flights. I mean, they have to be right. So I'm not entirely clear how I get from the plane to the next plane. Um, but I remember that the plane I was on was one of those small commuter puddle jumper thingies, like the kind I took from DC to Philadelphia when I went to, um, and went to boot camp. Being the puddle jumpers. So two members of my family, um, one was currently in the Navy and another one was former Navy. Now, while I was in the Coast Guard, they both liked to tease me about being a puddle jumper or a shallow water sailor. Now, it's all part of that inner service rivalry and whatnot. But in my brief time in the... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Postcard. I had more sea time than my two family members did combined. I mean, together, they had just over seven and a half years in the Navy. I had four years and seven months. Think about that. Let that sink in. 
a puddle jumper, Coasty, had more sea time than two other people in the Navy. Think about that. Anyway, I'm sure you're thinking, well, how does that happen? I'm still asking myself that very question to this day. Eventually, I arrive at the airport in Key West, Florida. I'm embarrassed to say that I had no fucking idea where on the map Key West was. Like, I had not a clue that I was about 90 miles from Cuba on the outer edge of the Gulf of Mexico in the Atlantic Ocean in an area known as the Straits of Florida. Sort of like its own private little island way out there in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, so for most of the Coast Guard at this time of year, it was wintertime. And by that, I mean that almost all other Coast Guard units were in their winter blues. Cape May, New Jersey, which is in Coast Guard District 1, I means I think it's District 1. I mean, all District 1 and I believe District 5 were all wearing their winter blues, which meant long sleeve shirts. When I left Virginia, I was in my winter dress blues, which meant I was in a long sleeve shirt and a tie. Yes, I was back in a tie again. And the tie was still tied from when I was in boot camp. I don't think I actually ever untied that tie. I mean, like, ever. Crap. If I could find my old uniforms, I bet that damn thing is still tied, like 32 years later. Anyway, the point I'm trying to get at here is that in District 7, where Key West is located, they were in tropical dress, which meant short sleeve shirts. And I could have skipped the damn tie. But nope, no one told me. I was pretty sure that I wanted to call one of those damn recruiters back in Virginia and give them shit. But I'm sure they would blow it off and say, ha ah, ha ha, that's a practical joke. We play on the new boots going to Key West, Florida or something stupid like that. Anyway, yeah, oh yeah, I'm a boot, by the way. I really hadn't, if I had really known what it meant to be a boot, I would have taken advantage of that um, when I could. But as it was, I was so afraid of screwing something up and I hadn't even gotten to the base yet. I got off the plane. The heat was freaking crazy, at least as compared to Virginia. The temperature in Key West, I know, was in like high, in the high 70s. At least it usually is in December. And I was coming from Northern Virginia, which is usually like in the 40s. And I'm pretty sure it was in the 30s when I actually left to get on the airplane. So anyway, it's about a 30 degree swing in temperature. And to add to that, the temperature was like, in, um, not the temperature, but the, the humidity in Key West was, you know, probably in the low 60s in December. It was hot. It was damn hot. I mean, I wasn't even out of the airport and I was sweating. My head was a mess. I was wearing this, this, this weird Coast Guard hat cover thing, they call it. You know, it's like white plastic on top of your head with a black shiny bill on it. It was basically a heat magnet and sweat producing torture device. I mean, the, the thing was the worst. Anyway, I was also wearing this horrible polyester suit on top of it all. I'm sure you can just imagine all the sweat that was going on and where it was all happening. Yeah, I know that was gross. My apologies. Thankfully, I only had the one bag. Um, that god awful green sea bag that I got in boot camp. I mean, what else was I going to be bringing? I leave baggage claim, I schlep out to the curb, and then it was really, really hot. Um, I was fortunate, though, I got a cab pretty quick, I would think, and uh, which would have been or was my third ever trip in a cab. Fortunately, the cab driver was familiar with the location of the Coast Guard base, 
because I had no idea where it was. We got into the road. We got a little closer. I mean, I could see the ocean from where I was uh, going. I see palm leaves everywhere or palm trees. It was really, it was really kind of cool. But as it got closer to the, uh, what was supposed to be the Coast Guard base, it turns out that the Coast Guard base was, in fact, a Navy base. Trombo Point, um, I think that's what it was called. Um, and I'm, I'm not even sure what was going on because I was feeling like the driver totally messed this up. And then I was going to be really late for being um, uh, checking in at the Coast Guard. But I don't know if anyone knew I was actually showing up that day. I mean. I had a few pieces of paper telling me to report on December 6th. Might have been the 13th. I don't remember anymore. You get the idea. So the cab pulls up to this gate. There's a dude in fatigues at the gate. And he asked for my ID. He asked for the driver's ID, my orders. And the guard handed everything back. And he's like, hey, yeah, so the Coast Guard base is something, 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 something. And he let us through the gate. The cabbie, as we were driving, uh, eventually admitted he wasn't sure exactly where the Coast Guard base was when, we, when I got into the car. He said he thought it was Trombo Point, uh, but he figured that'd be a good place to start, and even if he was wrong. Anyway, so after a few twists and turns, uh, the driver gets me up to what was clearly the Coast Guard base, which was at the very back of Trombo Point. I mean, I guess this made sense because that's where the piers were, and that's where the Coast Guard ships were, and... There were also these cool Navy ships that were there, too. They were called Femrons. Um, all the Femrons uh, have been decommissioned now, but uh, they were damn cool. I'll tell you more about those later. So the driver drops me off. Uh, I was pretty lost. I mean, I was so lost. I mean, I think someone saw me and realized how clueless I looked. And they pointed me toward what, uh, what was the administration building. So anyway, it was right about this point that I noticed that everyone was wearing short sleeve shirts and were looking a lot less worn out than me. Then again, I had been on an, an airplane since like 530 in the morning. I don't know what time I got there. I, I am pretty sure it was sometime after lunch. Uh, I vaguely remember being in the admin building and I know somebody was helping me out, taking my paperwork and all that kind of nonsense. Um but then that kind of, they, they told me a bunch of stuff and I'm pretty sure I forgot it all or I actually wasn't really listening at the time. Everything was just sort of surreal at that moment. I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm in Key West, Florida. Shit. The next thing you know, I'm like hauling myself and my sea bag back outside, cross the street to the barracks. And I was officially attached to uh, Group Key West, the barracks. The barracks. What? When I got over to the barracks, it was then that I found out that uh, this is my assignment. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing or would be doing. I mean, it seemed like the barracks was about as close to doing non-Coast Guard stuff that um, you could do. Um, I had, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was really weird. I get to the barracks lobby. It's here that I am introduced to the person who would be my quasi nemesis for the time that I'd be attached to the barracks. This person was also, in fact, my immediate supervisor. He was a bosun's mate, third class. He was kind of not very tall. He was of some Hispanic Latin descent. I will be referring to him as Petty Officer Jalapeno. No, that's not his real name, but you'd be surprised at how close his, that name is to his real name. 
everyone, and I mean everyone else, was allowed to call him by his first name, but me. Didn't take me long to figure out why, um, or at least I had some ideas, why I was not allowed to call him by his first name and everybody else was. But if I happen to call him by his first name in this podcast, I will refer to him as Pine, as in Pine Cone or Pine Tree. Petty also Jalapeno introduced me to a whole bunch of, uh, not a whole bunch, but a, a number of other seamen that were there. They were also assigned to work in the barracks. What I wasn't aware of, at least initially, is that being assigned to the barracks was pretty much like, well, it just just really stupid work. It was not fun stuff. We were just essentially labor to keep the barracks clean and doing other odd jobs around the base. So uh, among the first seamen that I met, there was this guy who we'll just call S.A. Brooklyn or Seaman Apprentice Brooklyn. I don't think he was actually from Brooklyn, uh, but he might have been. because he's, he's, I feel like he was from that part of New York. There's also a guy named Bob Diamond. And no, that's not his real name, but um, there are a few others. I don't remember all of their names. So I'll sort of be attaching weird names to these people as, as, as I need to uh, talk about them or mention them. There's also a guy named Rubiano. Uh, Rubiano, um, his family is from South America. I was pretty sure he was born in the United States, though. He spoke English like anyone else who was raised in the U.S. Um, He was also fluent in Spanish. Um, Anyway, Ruby uh, Rubiana was also assigned to the barracks, um, waiting on what I believe was a medical discharge. You see, Rubiano had chronic seasickness. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. But he said each time he got underway on the now decommissioned 82 footers, he would be seasick before they got to the sea buoy. I never knew if he really was seasick all the time. But what did I know? I mean, I, I had just gotten a Coast Guard. Whatever. He showed me around a lot. Um, I mean, I, I sort of liked him. He was, an, he was a good guy. He was a bit of an outcast. So that was kind of, that was, I, I kind of gravitated toward those um, outcasts as well. Uh, he was a little too serious most of the time for me. Um, but he was usually pretty straight with everything that, um, you know, he had to say to me. So it was kind of cool. I got shown in my room. I'm not sure uh, exactly what happened after that, but I'm, I kind of think like they gave me the rest of the day all to myself. Um, I just needed to report back to the barracks lobby uh, the next morning by 7.30 for morning muster or 0730. Muster is basically a head count of personnel and, uh, and like a morning meeting that we have and they, you know, divvy out the day's tasks and junk like that. When I got to my room in the barracks, I think I was on the second floor. You entered from an uh, outside facing door, sort of like a motel. Hell, the room was not much bigger than a motel room. I'm pretty sure the furniture in there looked like it had all been stolen from a low budget motel anyway. So the rooms were situated with, um, so it had one set of bunk beds on the right wall as you came in. And the, uh, there was another bed, twin size bed along, um, the window, which was on the same side uh, as the door. And on the opposite side of, um, the room, you know, opposite the front door, there was a sink and a mirror. And to the left of that sink and mirror was the bathroom with, uh, you know, the, the shower, the toilet. I mean, essentially it was just a dorm room or um, a motel room. Um, not so sleazy, but definitely not a, a upscale motel at all. So it was also here that I meet one of my roommates, Seaman 
Dave Trombone. Now, Trombone was from Rhode Island, I think. Uh, he was, I'm pretty sure he was a Portuguese descent. He was one of those guys that was going to be referring to me as boot a lot. He always said, boot this, boot that, you damn boot. I mean, Dave, well, pretty much everyone called him Dave, not by his last name. Um, very few people get called by anything but their last name. Um, but being called Dave was sort of out of character for how Coasties referred to each other. Except, I mean, the truth be told, you were either called directly by your last name uh, with no rank attached to it, uh, unless you were chief, then it was always chief something or you, or an officer, and then it was Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. so-and-so. Sometimes you got a nickname, which uh, you got called, um, whether you liked it or not. It just sort of happened. But normally you got yelled at or called by your last name or this, this, this nickname that, that you didn't get to actually pick. However, generally the female enlisted always seem to be called by their first name. At least that was sort of the habit of the Coasties that I knew. I'm pretty sure only the male enlisted called women or the females by their first name. Um, again, these are all like sort of general comments and broad strokes sort of things. Female enlisted, though, I'm pretty sure called other female enlisted by their last name, just sort of a general practice, unless they were friends and then it was back to the first name business. I know that was a lot to process. I was given the rest of the day off and Rubiano um, would stop by later on to get me before evening chow so he can take me to eat so I wouldn't starve to death. Um, until then I, I was on my own, which meant I was going to be sitting in the room contemplating why the fuck I was here. And at this point, I still had no idea where the fuck in relation to the United States Key West was. You've been listening to Guns of the Coast Guard years Key West, written and produced by Tim Gonzalez. And I'm Nicholas Gonzalez, the voice guy. Join us next week for another episode of Gonzo of the Coast Guard years. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns